0: the following podcast is a part of radiomisfits.com we have chosen to omit names or use sound effects in this production because the individuals discussed have not been formally arrested charged or accused of wrongdoing in the death of carol rosted the normal police department declined to participate in this podcast
1: If it seems normal police have been hesitant when it comes to the Rothstead murder case, this could be one reason why.
2: You had another utterly spectacular murder, if I can use the word spectacular, that captured the public imagination.
1: 18 years after Carol was killed, another ISU student was murdered in her apartment. Jennifer Lockmiller was found strangled with a clock radio cord, stabbed in the chest with a pair of scissors. Eight months later, Normal Police arrested Alan Beeman, Jennifer's ex-boyfriend.
0: This is Sound Ideas. I'm Charlie Schlenker. The Illinois Supreme Court heard arguments Thursday from Alan Beeman, who was trying to sue police in Normal for their role in his wrongful conviction. The Rockford man served 13 years out of the 50-year sentence for the murder of Jennifer Lockmiller an Illinois State University student and former girlfriend.
1: The complicated case is still ongoing.
0: The courts have granted him a certificate of innocence, and former Governor Pat Quinn pardoned him in 2015. There's no way that that 13 years can be given back to me. Beeman says police in the town of Normal conspired to frame him after the 1993 murder by withholding a suspect's polygraph test from evidence and by not truthfully reporting other details of the investigative process.
3: The uh, the case law regarding prosecutors withholding evidence that would indicate innocence of the person charged is is uh, Brady versus Marilyn. There were three other suspects that were probably equally strong to the guy they charged, and at trial, they, uh, they, they dismissed that and said that there was no evidence against anyone else, which was totally untrue.
1: Mm-hmm. When that was reported, Rothstad stuff came up like, oh, no, here we go again. You'll remember the state's attorney charged a mental patient with Carroll's murder and ended up releasing him after three years. The charges dropped. The same state's attorney decided not to grant a witness immunity in the Rothstad case.
3: So here, you know, this guy charged the mental patient, no know, knowing that wanted to tell the story, and uh, all he wanted was immunity. And they went ahead and went after the mental patient because they wanted to get her out from under the case. That's more Brady versus Maryland. They they knew that somebody unconnected with the, the person being charged knew. Said that he knew who did it and wanted immunity from prosecution. See, the, the, the deeper you dig with this, the more similarities you have between different uh, different capital uh, offenses, and they all they were all botched up in the same way.
1: Let me say this about normal police department: they, they have a horrible reputation. If you were going to commit a murder in any city in the United States. Make sure it's a normal Illinois, because they are terrible at doing murders. They just can't get a conviction. They just can't.
2: It's been 10 years since a Rockford man was exonerated after spending more than a decade behind bars for murder he didn't commit.
0: I'll be fighting this fight for the rest of my life. and. And, and I should, because having experienced this, I need to be somebody that's out there trying to make it better. So hopefully I can raise some awareness and keep people mindful of that when they're sitting in the jury box.
4: In Rockford, Shannon Kelly, 23 News.
1: Demetria. Hey, Laura, how are you? hi, real
5: good. What a a nice surprise.
1: In July of 2022, the Normal Police Department assigned a new detective to the Rothstead case.
5: They've had so many changes, and now now finally, it should be a permanent person on the case. First, they said uh, it was going to be a different detective, and then that detective got changed. went back on patrol.
1: Laura, Carol's sister, said they promised to call every week or so.
5: We had a list of questions for them, and we said, now let's talk about this uh, uh, sketch.
1: And at the top of the list of the family's concerns, that inaccurate composite sketch.
5: It was nighttime, and supposedly you could see the color of their eyes. You know, none of that sounds like it it's really accurate everything was so iffy could you take it down and they said they would and then uh, it was still up there and to have it up for all those years and we we didn't think it was helpful we said you know can you take that down
1: um let me throw this out quickly for both of you We can notch one victory in the column of this production uh, since we started, and that is the fact that the composite sketch has been taken down from the website.
6: I, I don't like little victories. I like solving murders.
5: On March 4th, 1973, Delta Zeta was approved as the first sorority on Illinois State University's campus.
1: We had scheduled an interview with the president of the Delta Zeta chapter at ISU. We never had that meeting. As of today, I have been informed that our national offices do not wish to have us be in contact with any form of press regarding our sorority or our individual chapter, regardless of the content. I wanted to thank you for your efforts with the meetings and wish you luck with your story and future.
5: Sisterhood a word so profound, yet so unclear. That surprises me and bothers me.
2: I have no reason to be quiet about it now. When you're in a sorority, you're taught all your sisters for life, all of this kind of fellowship that you are signing up for. But when it comes to something like this happening, a literal murder of one of your fellow sisters, they're silent about it. Two letters,
5: one home. This is an experience of a lifetime. This is Delta Zeta. Alone, I am capable. But But together, together, as Delta Zeta,
2: we are unstoppable. I think it's still important for the organization to speak up about it and get justice for Carol. Sure, you can say that you're all for that and you're an advocate for that, but actions speak louder than words. It'll never leave my mind. It'll never leave my mind. My brother drowned. Five years li- later, after that, I think more about Carol. I don't. I don't want to say I think. More. It's just because I don't have closing. I had closing on my brother, I know, that it's just closing. Having the satisfaction of knowing whoever could be that evil. Every year on the anniversary of her birthday or her death, there's many of us that stay in touch to this day. And it's been since 1975, you just can't move beyond that. You can't. It, it's not an easy thing to do. We all loved Carol. She was just a gem. She was so beautiful. and Happy, bright, fun, loving, person.
6: not many people ever want to stand up about anything most people are terrified of of all things to do with what we've been talking about for the last year and a half it's a very very dark place to live um when you uh when you do what i do for a living dark place and at at some given point when you when you live inside a a shell like this for a year and a half with a, a major part of your time consumed by what happened to one seemingly delightful young woman um it takes a toll on people Her death not only took a toll on her, her blood relatives, but it, uh, it it cast a a very large dark cloud on, on the lives of forty or fifty other women that knew her well. Each each of them, in their own way, have uh, have had to deal with this. That the most joyous time in their their young lives was totally freaking trashed by what happened to Carol.
4: The old house is now an apartment complex on Fell Street. But I think the house that was next to it is still there and I mean structurally it's what it was in the 70s well they mentioned in their email chain that yes we still talk about Carol Carol Ann is what they call her and it's their it's the ghost of Carol and she's a friendly ghost. She's a, she just kind of wanders around the house and they said they kind of view her as their like protector in a way. You know, nobody talks about the fact that she was murdered or anything. I don't think any of them know that. But they know there's like the legend of
2: Carol's ghost. Carol was loved by so many
4: you have to hope that someone will be listening who might know something or know someone or even just ask questions again
1: I'm hoping that every student listens current and former mhm cuz i think we owe it to carol
4: oh yeah and that's really what it's all about is for carol to bring her some justice and some peace and some peace
0: Carol's Last Christmas is a genuine human production reported from interviews with friends, family, and experts and based on official records obtained through the Freedom of Information Act. Lead Investigator George Seibel, Chicago Police Department, retired. Investigator and co-producer Alexandra Duskalopoulos. Investigator, writer, and narrator Demetria Kaladilas. voiceover recreation Justin Holder. Audio mastering and consultation by Paul Gibson. Music provided rights-free by Artlist, Blue Dot Sessions, Motion Array, and Storyblocks. Original music by Verlin Thompson. Graphics by Orlando Rodriguez and Thalia Caledimos. Website and promotional material, Thalia Caledimos and Jim Champas. Our theme song is Criminal by Binge Heard, featuring Katrina Stone, courtesy of Artlist. Carol's Last Christmas is distributed by Radio Misfits. Our sincere thanks to the Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press for pre-publication review and to those who knew and loved Carol and generously shared their stories.